Okay, 2 Kings chapter 22. I want to read verses 1 through 8. Let's pray and ask God to bless the reading of his word here this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you once again, humbly, Lord God, recognizing that you are God, you are holy, you are mighty, you are powerful, and Lord God, we honor you here this day. We ask you, Father, to help us to hear your word, to speak your word, to be encouraged and challenged by your word here this morning. I pray that you will just... uh, Take away any distractions, especially for those that are at home right now, God. I know there's a lot of distractions at home uh, with the television and the phones and the kids and uh, this and that. And and I pray right now, God, that you will help us to honor you and respect you by putting everything aside right now, laying everything down right now, and just focusing on you. Again, help me as your servant to communicate your word, organize my thoughts. Bless this time that we have together here in the house of God. Bless those that are online right now, God, that they will experience the full presence of your, of your spirit in their homes right now. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Okay, Second Kings chapter 22, verses 1 through 8. The Bible says this. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adaiah. She was from Boscath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary Shaphan, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work of the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also, have them purchase timber and dressed stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are honest in their dealings. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. So for those of you that have been with us the past few weeks, you know that we are doing a Bible study on the life of this, of this young man named Josiah. So far, we pointed out that Josiah came from a very dysfunctional home. Listen, if you think you have problems at your house, this guy had some serious problems going on in his house. Actually, he had his life constantly in danger. We pointed out that Josiah chose to reject the wicked ways of his dad and grandfather. And instead, we learned that at the age of 16 years old, he began to seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We learned that between the ages of 16 and 20, something remarkable and powerful happened in Josiah's life. He finds God. He discovers God. He connects with God. He's anointed by God. He's empowered by God. And he's able to hear and be guided and directed by God. Josiah discovered the truth about Jeremiah 29, 13. I know that I repeat these, but these are such important scriptures. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That applies to every single one of us of any generation of people. And Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. God is not going to be playing games with you. He's not going to be playing hide and seek with you. No. If you seek him, he says you will discover and find him and connect with him. That's his promise. 
We learn that at the age of 20 years old, Josiah began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of Asherah poles, idols, and high places. All of these represented evil and satanic strongholds that had been established in the land of Judah. And last week, we learned that after being king for 18 years, Josiah began to repair the temple of the Lord our God in Jerusalem because he, sadly, it had become corrupted and it was neglected. We learned that the church today is like the temple of God in the Old Testament. The church is a place where we gather together as a people of God to worship God, to praise our God, to sacrifice to our God, to serve our God, to repent before our God, to give glory and honor to our God, and to teach the truth of the Word of God, and to be a light unto this world that we live in. We, the church, are the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and we are to be without spot or wrinkle. We, the church, are to represent the purity and the holiness of God, because our God is holy. Can you say amen, church? Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. The church body is very important to our God, to our Lord Jesus. First Timothy 3, 14 and 15. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Revelation 1.20, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Ephesians 5.27, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So we learned last week that... Jesus Christ, our Lord, is personally involved in what happens in the church. Jesus Christ is here right now. We may not see him, but he's here right now, walking the aisles of this church, checking things out, making sure that I'm preaching the word of God, keeping me in check, keeping you in check, making sure that you're paying attention, making sure that you're focused, making sure that you're not being distracted. He's here right now, checking the whole scene out. Okay? So now, let's move forward. And see what else we can learn from Josiah and his life. In 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 8, the Bible tells us something really important. It happens, uh, that happens when peop the people of God began to repair the temple of the Lord. The Bible tells us that as they were repairing the temple of the Lord, cleaning it all up, taking away all the garbage and all the rubbish, the Bible tells us that they found the book of the law, the Torah, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. 2 Kings 22, verse 8 in our text says this, Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Now let's try uh, to understand how important and how significant this is that they actually were able to find the book of the law. This is both significant and, at the, and it was exciting, but at the same time, it was a very sad situation. You see, up until this point, the Word of God had not been read in the temple of God. Why? Because Josiah's dad and grandfather prohibited the Word of God from being ministered and read and taught 
in the temple of God. Josiah's dad and grandfather made a decision in the early years of their reigns as kings. They decided that they were going to reject the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and instead worship the gods of the termites. Now remember, the term termites is my own invention. Are you guys hearing me loud and clear here? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that these people are termites. I'm creating this right now to make it easy on myself and you. Okay? The term termites is my own invention, but it represents the gods of the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Girgashites, the Perizzites, the Raphaites, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Amalekites. I just bunched them all up together, and I call all of them the termites. Is that cool with everyone? Let's just call all of them, the whole bunch, the termites. So let's study what we find in the book of the law, that was, why the book of the law, finding it was so important. For this, we need to go way back in Josiah's, to Josiah's forefathers. I want us to go back to 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And in this section of scripture, it talks about a man named Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the great-grandfather of Josiah. And I want to read about Hezekiah right now in 2 Kings chapter 18. It says this. In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to this that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was none like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. So what we learn here is that Josiah's great-grandfather, his name was Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, we learn, was a good king for Judah. And the Bible tells us that Hezekiah held fast or clung to the Lord. Hezekiah did not stop following the Lord all his life. Hezekiah kept the commandments of the Lord. So now we need to move up a little bit and go to 2 Kings chapter 20 as we see the transition from Hezekiah to Manasseh, who is Josiah's grandfather. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 21, it says this, as for the other events of Hezekiah's reign, all his achievements and how he made the pool and the tunnel by which he brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? Hezekiah rested with his ancestors, and Manasseh, his son, succeeded him as king. So again, Manasseh is Josiah's grandfather. And remember, Manasseh chose to reject the teachings of his father, Hezekiah. He chose to reject the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and chose instead to rebel and serve the gods of the termites. Second Kings chapter 21, verses 1 and 2 says this, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. His mother's name was Hephzibah. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. So Hezekiah, who is... Uh, Manasseh's dad did his best 
to raise his children up in the ways of God. Did you guys hear what I just said? Hezekiah, who was a good king, did his best to raise all his children, including Manasseh, to follow the ways of God. He did his best. Hezekiah, Manasseh's dad, did his best to be a good example and a good mentor. Not only did he preach or teach out of his mouth what was right, but he lived it out. He was an actual physical example and mentor to his children when it came to learning how to live for the Lord. But sadly, Hezekiah's son Manasseh chose to reject the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and chose instead to serve the gods of the termites. Are you guys following me so far? This is very good that you very important that you follow me. He willingly chose to follow the gods of the termites and rejected the God of his father, Hezekiah. We as parents can do our best to raise our kids up in the fear of God and in the ways of God. But eventually, our kids have to decide for themselves whether or not they want to serve God for themselves, whether or not they want to choose to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or the gods of the termites, the termites that will eventually eat up their souls and lead them, sadly, to hellfire. Now, that's a difficult thing for a parent to see. But that's the reality that we face as parents. Remember what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few Find it. Listen, if you are a born-again Christian today and you love the Lord and you're following the Lord and you're connected to God and your spirit is one with God, you need to rejoice and celebrate your salvation. You are one of the precious few that is connected to God. Because, my friend, there's a lot more people going to hell in 2020 than there are going to heaven. I hate to say that. I know it's a discouraging stat, but that's what the Bible says. There are more people going to hell today than there are going to heaven. That's an actual biblical fact. If your kids are choosing to reject the true and living God, we need to continue to pray and fast and intercede for them. Because even if they are well-educated and successful, even if they are prosperous, even if they are able to live in beautiful homes and experience the best that this world has to offer, even if they are popular and well-respected amongst their peers, if they have rejected the God... they have rejected God and are not walking with God or are not living for God, then they are in danger of hell fire. And we need to pray for our kids. I don't care how good or sharp or successful they look. If they're not connected to God, we need to pray for their souls or they're going to end up in hellfire. Now, I want to give you parents some hope. Now, I did not plan this. The Holy Spirit did this for me, and I'm going to do this. I may get myself in trouble. I'm going to put somebody on blast right now, but I could not help but to see my young brother Gigi up here at the altar with his hands lifted up in the air praising God. I, I just couldn't help it. To me... Seeing that is an example of the power of God working in your kids' lives. Now, Gigi, he used to live with Julie and I, along with his brother and sister, okay? But sadly, I'm putting him on blast right now. He can get mad at me if he wants, but I'm going to make a point here that's really important. Sadly, for a small season, he chose to reject church and God and the Bible and what we're all about as Christians, and he started doing his own thing. Is that true, Gigi? Kind of, sort of? 
Kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. I'm close, okay? Struggling with his faith, struggling. What's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's not. And I didn't see him for a long time. Kind of disappeared. But to see him come to church today at the front of the altar, raising up his hands to Almighty God, I want to give you parents some hope. You parents that are seeing your kids struggling with their faith. You kids, you parents that are seeing your kids that seem disconnected from God, not concerned with God, that God is not important, that God is not an issue, that God is not relevant. You parents who are praying for your kids that seem so lost. Gabby, I'm so glad, Gabby. I don't know where you're at, but I saw you in church. I'm so glad that you're in church today, Gabby. There is hope for Isaac, your son. There is hope. I don't care how messed up he is. You parents out there, I don't care what your kids are into. You keep praying for your kids because God is powerful and we can see your kids at this altar just like we saw Gigi at this altar raising their hands up to almighty God. Why? Because God touched their hearts. Why? Because you're praying for them. Don't give up on your kids. I don't care how rebellious or obnoxious or sarcastic or mean or aggressive they may be. It does not matter. God can touch their hearts. You keep praying for your kids. It just so happened that Gigi walked in today, and I'm preaching about this. Perfect setup by the Holy Spirit, and I'm taking advantage of it. Praise God. Because the proof is in your face. Right here, right now. Now, let's use the information that the Holy Spirit gives us in the Bible to learn some important information. How many years does the Bible tell us that Manasseh, Josiah's grandfather, reigned as king of Judah. The Bible tells us that he reigned as king for 55 years. That's right, Sergio, 55 years. Let me read it. 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. So again, how many years did Manasseh reign as king of Judah? 55 years. And remember, He chose to reject the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which means he also rejected the Word of God, the Holy Bible, which means that the Word of God was no longer read in the temple of God. So for 55 years, the Word of God was no longer read in the temple of God. Are you guys getting this picture here? For 55 years, the Word of God was no longer read or taught in the temple of God because Manasseh corrupted and polluted the temple of God because he wanted to serve the gods of the termites. Then after Manasseh died, Manasseh's son Ammon, he became king of Judah, and he too rejected the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he too followed the gods of the termites. Listen to what it says in 2 Kings 21, verses 18 through 22. It says this, Manasseh rested with his ancestors and was buried in his palace garden, the garden of Uzzah. Then and Ammon, his son, succeeded him as king. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem two years. His mother's name was Meshulameth, daughter of Haruz. She was from Jodpah. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. He followed completely the ways of his father, worshiping the idols his father had worshipped and bowing down to them. He forsook the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and did not walk in obedience to him. So now we add two more years of madness in Judah, and so we learned that for 57 years, the word of God was not being read or taught in the temple of God. 
Then when Josiah took over as king, the Bible tells us that Josiah had been the king for 18 years and he reigned and he begins to repair the temple of God. And that is also when the book of the law is found in the temple of God. So now we add 18 years to the 57 years and we discover the sad reality before us, which is that for 75 years, the word of God was not read or taught in the temple of God, in the church of the living God, no Bible allowed in plain sight. Instead, of, instead, for 75 years, the Bible, the Word of God, the book of the law was buried or hidden underneath a pile of rubber, ru- uh, ru- rubble and garbage in the temple. Now, church, how sad is that? Would you agree that that's a very sad thing? Now, praise God. Thank God that Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law, and, and, is a, and, and that's a great, wonderful thing. But the sad reality is that before this, for 75 years, there had been a famine in the temple of God of the word of God. That means that when you went to church, you heard nothing about God, only about the termites. And that's exactly what we're doing today in America. Because of sin and rebellion we are intentionally trying to bury the truth found in the word of god now i've gone over these stats before but i want to repeat them again in 1953 hugh hefner published the first playboy magazine and that began a tidal wave and flood of pornography into our nation and world that is protected by the first amendment and free speech this is a violation of god's word and instru- that instructs us not to allow sexual immorality up until 1962 all of the classes in our public school system would begin their day with public prayer led by the principal or the teacher in class but then in 1962 madeline o'hare sued the baltimore public school system and prayed and prayer was banned in all of our nation's public schools. In 1963, the following year, the Holy Bible was banned from being used in any way in our nation's public school system. Isn't it a coincidence that from 1963 to 2020, that is 57 years that have passed so far that the Bible has been banned in our public schools. And Manasseh reigned for 55 years and his son Ammon reigned for two more years. That is a total of 57 years. The same amount of years that we have been without the Bible in our public schools is the same amount of years that the Bible was not read in the temple of God in Jerusalem. Now, I I don't think it's by a coincidence. I could have preached this sermon last year, or I could have preached this sermon next year, but I happened to preach it this year, at this time, at the beginning of this school year, and it just so happens that the timing coincides with the timing of Ammon and Manasseh. I don't know about you, but I think that's the Holy Spirit. After the Bible was taken out of our nation's public school system in the early 1960s, the theory of evolution was taught in our public school system as a truth. Instead of teaching that the world was created by our heavenly God, the creator of heaven and earth, and that further distanced our children from the teachings of the Bible. In 1970, the no-fault divorce Divorce law was enacted in California and was nationalized in 1985. Since then, divorce in the United States has skyrocketed because we have made it very easy and convenient. In 1973,
1973, abortion was legalized through Roe versus Wade. And since then, millions of babies have been legally murdered in the United States. In 1980, the Ten Commandments were removed from all of our public schools. In 2004, the Los Angeles Board of Supervisors removed the cross from our Los Angeles County Seal. In 2010, the Ten Commandments were removed from our courthouses. In 2014, the definition of marriage between man and one, one man and one woman was no longer supported in the United States Supreme Court, but instead was uh, instead was 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 taken out so that same-sex couples would be able to uh, marry legally. Then later, a transgender law was passed, allowing boys to go into girls' locker rooms and restrooms, and girls to go into boys' locker rooms and restrooms. Many churches today don't see anything wrong with allowing homosexual leaders to preach from their from their pulpits. And as I said before, this there is a rebellion and a rejection of God and the Bible and the church in America today. Little by little, year by year, Christianity in America is being morphed and seduced and compromised and stripped of its authority, stripped of its voice, and stripped of its influence. Church, we are trying to bury the truth with a bunch of lies. How many of you remember those old original I Love Lucy shows with Ricky, Ricardo, and, and Lucy? Now, uh, and remember how they used to show them sleeping on, even though they were married, they would be sleeping on separate beds, okay? Those of you that are younger than me, then you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? Oh, that sounds so foreign to you, all right? But now anyways, some people actually say that I look like Ricky Ricardo. You guys think I look like Ricky Some people actually say that. Some people say that I look like George Lopez. Uh, do you guys think I look like George? Some people think that I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. I can't even say his name. Okay? Some people, some people actually think I look like Tom Cruise. What do you, do you think I look like? Some people think that I look like Brad Pitt. Actually, some people actually think that I look like Denzel Washington. You see that, 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 that jawline right now? And uh, I'm just playing with you. But in that I Love Lucy show, even though Ricky and Lucy were married, the television was so conservative and so censored that they were not allowed to show them in bed together because it was too over-the-top sexy, even though they were married. Church, have times changed? What do you think? Have you noticed how commercials are openly showing men kissing men and women kissing women, men getting married to men and women getting married to women. Have you guys noticed that this is all like happening right now? And it, it actually, it's been happening for a while. This is a very sad thing. You see, the media is using its influence and power to deceive people into thinking that this is normal behavior. And a normal and acceptable lifestyle. The media is purposely brainwashing and reprogramming our children and our youth into accepting all of this as normal. The same thing is happening in our public school system. All of this is normal. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not a big deal. 
Movies, sitcoms, commercials that show single people who aren't married sleeping together. This is called premarital sex. And it's looked at as acceptable and normal in all of our programs. And I want you to know this is not normal. It is fornication. It is sin and rebellion against Almighty God. No matter how they try to cover it up, no matter how pretty or romantic they try to make it, it's still wrong for a single man and a single woman who are not married to be in bed together before marriage. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? TV and movie programming that shows a married man in bed with a woman that is not his wife or a married woman in bed with a man that is not her husband. They make it seem like this is no big deal. Like adultery is no big deal. But I want you to know adultery is still a big deal to God. It is a very serious sin and violation to our God. Can you say amen church? It is sin and rebellion against Almighty God. And now they are showing men kissing men and women kissing women. A man in bed with another man. A woman in bed with another woman. Like if it's normal. But this is called homosexuality. And this is a sin and rebellion against Almighty God. Our culture, our media, it is trying to bury the Word of God underneath rubble and garbage and the sin and rebellion of man. Reporters, commentators, actors, newscasters, sports commentators, politicians, and anyone else connected to the media cannot say anything against the homosexual lifestyle because they know that they will get fired and their careers will be destroyed. Whether we want to admit it or not, church, the LGBT community has successfully infiltrated our educational, political, economic, and media systems and is dominating it. The porn industry is still a multi-billion dollar industry and it has tremendous power. The world is addicted to pharmaceuticals. We met, we we legalize marijuana and my God, you better not go against the pharmaceutical companies and my God, whoever invents this, this, this remedy, what do you call it? The, the thing for the, for the COVID, the vaccine, man, they're going to become instant billionaires because America is addicted to pharmaceuticals. We are addicted. We take a pill to go to sleep. We take another one to stay awake and then we drink our, our, 10 shots of, of coffee, espresso. And then we want to come down off of that, so we take some downers. Then we smoke a little bit of weed. And then we get all depressed, so we need some uppers. And then we start getting too much weight because we get the, what do you call, I'm, I'm so out of touch with reality. What do you, the munchies, because we start getting, we lose, now we need to lose some weight, so we take some diet pills. We are addicted to pharmaceuticals. And sadly, I am as guilty as everyone else for just sitting, sitting idly by and watching this happen right before my eyes and doing absolutely nothing. I see a commercial showing a man kissing another man and I sit idly by and do nothing because I want to continue to see the Lakers beat up on the Rockets. I see a sitcom with a man sleeping with another man and I sit idly by and do nothing because I want to watch the King of Queens. Right now, we, some of us, some of us are watching the Clipper game. You're checking up on the store. Instead of listening to me right now, you're watching to see who's winning in the Clipper game right now. You're busted, totally busted. I want to say to our kids, 
All you kids, all you young people that are watching online right now, all of you young people and kids that are here present in this church right now, I want to say to you guys, this new generation, even though the media is trying to make this look like it's all normal behavior, I want you to know straight up, it is not. It is wrong. It is idolatry. It is false. It is a deception. It is a lie. It goes against the Bible. And there are serious consequences to those who practice these things. Even though Pastor Jerry and other Christians sit idly by and do nothing, this is wrong. Don't let the media deceive you into thinking that all of this stuff that you see happening is normal and okay. Fornication is wrong and it is sin. Adultery is wrong and it is sin. Homosexuality is wrong and it is sin. Divorce and abortion still grieve the heart of God. The psychic network, witchcraft, sorcery, horoscopes, Ouija boards, fortune tellers, palm readers. These are all satanic people who are evil still grieve the heart of God. The media is making all of this sin look like it's normal and acceptable, but it's not. The media is suffocating, trying to bury the truth that this, that, that trying to bury the truth that God is real, that God is a creator. But I want you to know, the truth is this, God is still up in heaven. He is still on the throne. He is watching all of this madness, and one of these days we're all going to have to give an account for what's going on. No one can get away with mocking God. Just remember that. No one will ever get away with mocking God. You will not be successful in trying to make a fool out of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen. Listen, there are serious consequences for allowing ourselves to be deceived into thinking that sin is okay. Sin is not okay. Sin is not acceptable. God is holy. We have to take a stand against it. We have to make sure that we don't participate in it or allow it to even exist. Can you say amen, church? Let me ask you this question. Right now, where is your Bible? If you have your Bible, I want you to hold it up right now. Those of you that are here. If you have your Bible, hold it up. Okay? Where is your Bible? Go ahead and put it down. Don't be grabbing the Bible that's in the front of your pew. Okay? Don't be cheating on me here. God sees what's happening here. God knows whether or not you brought your Bible to church or not. Now, don't get me wrong. I do thank the Lord for our Bible apps on our phones. I do. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I think that's an amazing tool that God give, has given us. The other day I was playing basketball with the guys from our church out on our basketball courts here at church. We usually get together 
on Wednesday nights. Those of you that are watching me online, if you think you got game, come join us on Wednesday night, and we'll see if you got game or not, okay? Personal challenge from a guy that's going to be 61 years old in a few days, okay? You're coming out and see if you got some stuff. Wednesday night, 8.30 after church. I'm challenging you right now. Okay. Watch Kareem Abdul-Jabbar come out, man. Okay. Anyway, anyways. So we were out there playing basketball, and on one of our breaks, it just so happens that Rob texted me with a question, a Bible question, on the phone. And I didn't have my Bible with me because usually when I'm playing out there, uh, those of you that know me, I have a backpack. I carry my Bible in my backpack everywhere I go. I take my backpack because I want my Bible next to me everywhere I go. But because I was playing basketball, I put my backpack with my Bible in it. I locked it in my car because I didn't want to take a chance on somebody stealing the $5 out of my wallet in my backpack. That $5 is worth a lot to me. It could buy me a foot-long Subway sandwich right now for 5 bucks, or it could buy me two Burger King hamburgers for 5 bucks. So that $5 is very valuable to me, and I don't want anybody to steal it. So I had it in my, locked up in my backpack, and Rob texted me with a Bible question. So I asked the guys, hey, I need some help. I don't have my Bible on me. I need some help. I want you guys to look up some scriptures. And I gave one to uh, Joshua Ochoa to look up on his phone. And I gave another one to David Tapia. And guys, you know what? In less than a minute, less than a minute, they had the answer for me. It was amazing. Even me, if I would have had to go into my hard, hard copy Bible, it would have taken me way more than a minute to look up those scriptures. They got it in less than a minute with those iPhones. So they're a blessing. But what happens if we have an earthquake or lose power or the internet goes down or you're at the beach where there is no reception or we lose our cell towers and we can't access our Bible apps or our phones and we need to the old school hard copy Bibles. Would you be able to find your Bible or is it buried under a bunch of rubble, uh, buried under a bunch of junk, buried under a bunch of dirty clothes, dirty dishes somewhere in the house? Maybe it's in the trunk of your car. Maybe it's in the garage somewhere underneath all your power tools. Where is your Bible today? You see, Josiah tells us that the book of the law was found in the temple of God and it had been buried there for 75 years. But Josiah began a fresh new revival of the Word of God, a rediscovery of the Word of God, a new fresh influence and dedication to the Word of God, and he began to teach the Bible to the people of Judah from the temple. Church, we all need to wake up, and we better make sure we don't let our Bibles get lost underneath the rubble of this world. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? Don't let all the pressures and all the stuff, even the blessings of God, don't let it bury the Bible in your hearts. Let me remind you of the words that our God gave to Joshua in Joshua chapter 7, verses 7 and through 9. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you, gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Listen, how many of you want to be successful? You want to prosper? You want to feel protected? You want to feel peace? Then you have to make the Bible your, the most important source of information of your life. I want to conclude by reading what Josiah did 
in response to finding the book of the law. And this is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verses 29 through 33. And we're going to conclude with this. Julia, if you can get the worship team to play, start playing that song, please. 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verses 29 through 33. It says this. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verses 29 and 33. This is what Josiah did after he found the book of the law. And he read it. And it says this. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. Then he had everyone in Jerusalem and Benjamin pledge themselves to it. The people of Jerusalem did this in accordance with the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites and he had all who were present in Israel served the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Church, we need to treasure this book. If you don't know where your Bible is, please find it. Sometimes I go to bed holding my Bible. The phone is too small for me to hug. I need some flesh. I need some substance. Keep this, the Bible at the center of your hearts. It will keep you safe. It will keep you secure. It will help you to prosper. It will keep you blessed. Can you say amen, church? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, that you will help us to once again give glory and honor to your holy word. It is the holy word of God. And I pray, Lord God, that you will touch your people and help us, Father. Help us, Lord Jesus, to honor you by taking time every day to seek you through your word. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus and I want to do that here today. I don't want to run from God. I want to run to God. If that's you here this morning, lift up your hand. You are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to the Lord. Just lift up your hand and we will pray. Anyone at all. Those of you online that are watching, if something that I've said here today has touched your heart and you say, you know what? I don't want to serve the gods of the termites. I want to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the true and the living God. If that's you and you're listening and God has touched your heart and pulling you toward him, I want you to say this prayer. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you not really understanding, but believing that you are God and that you want the best for me you want me to be successful you want me to prosper you want me to be blessed but you want me in your life so Lord Jesus I pray right now to come into my life be my Lord be my Savior be my God lead me guide me direct me I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me by your blood. In Jesus' name I pray.